Hello there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Today's guest is John Higgins from Wyala, South Australia, a mechanical engineer by profession who is so much in love with pipe organ that he plays recitals and tries to raise funds to restore valuable historical organs in his community. Because of his passion, he quickly becomes the go-to organist in his area. In this conversation, John reveals his background story, the things which he finds challenging in organ playing, and of course the dreams, which through his persistence, generosity, bravery and connection, little by little are becoming a reality. This is a truly inspiring story. Let's go to the show. Thank you so much, John, for uh, joining me in this interview. I'm so delighted that we can have this conversation. I'm, I'm, also, I'm like imagining we are having uh, a cup of virtual cappuccino together, right? Uh, on, on, uh, on, on, uh, on different uh, sides of the globe connecting. I'm in Vilnius, Lithuania, and you in Wyala, right? Am I pronouncing the, the name of your town correctly? Very good, Vitas. Well Voyala done. In, in, in Australia. So it's, it's amazing that uh, through modern technology we can be online and at the same time connected and th- talking about the things that we both love and cherish. So uh, our uh, con- uh, uh, listeners will be delighted to know about your story as an organist, of course. And thank you so much for your time and generosity. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Vitas. It's a, a dream come true and an absolute honor to be part of what you're doing. Thank you. Great. Uh, so, uh, before this conversation, I did a little uh, research uh, about uh, uh, our relationship, special organ relationship, and I looked at my inbox and I um, normally don't delete emails. Uh, uh, especially important uh, emails uh, once I answer them. So uh, almost exactly four years ago in in um, in January 2012, January 18th 2012, you wrote me your first email, right? Do you remember this uh, email? Yes, yes. Right. It was quite a it was quite a, a remarkable step to um, to do that being really a, a nobody um, and and not having any um, experience or credentials it was was quite a, a quite a big step to to um, contact somebody of in your position well uh, but but I, I'm eager to help right and I'm in no way positioning myself as as, as a unreachable guru you know and uh, sitting on top of the mountain and uh, looking down at everybody and <laughs> laughing at their mistakes in pedal playing and pedal preparation and this i'm just here to help and uh, this is one of the ways to do this right so john uh, you, you remember the content of this email i i think you wrote about um, uh, how to do pedal preparation 
properly and how to understand this this technique and how it can help you right because uh, when you play for example with white notes white notes uh, diatonic notes on the pedal board no sharps basically right just c d e these regular notes then you wrote that yes you understand that you can you can place your feet uh, in in a different position uh, ahead of time and and let it sit there right uh, but what to do in other situations so so i wrote um, a rather detailed i think email to you how to uh, to do this properly i didn't uh, send you a video how to 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 demonstrate how to play for example a scale or or an arpeggio to do this yet because i was i think at that time my blog was very very young right um, january 2012 uh, i was like uh, writing uh, uh, for uh, for two months almost i started just before christmas in 2011 so you john were one of my first original subscribers basically who are still with me to this day it's amazing thank you so much yeah it's been a wonderful um it's been a wonderful bit like relationship of growing together um and i i would never have been able to you know travel to a big city and i didn't have the money or or the time being being in a full-time job and a young family i wasn't able to have to go back to university or study with somebody and being able to do it online was really it, it's unbelievable because people in my position would never normally have this opportunity but through what you're doing online it's revolutionized the world and it's revolutionized my life that I can get um, really superb teaching and coaching from the other side of the world well John uh, these these words coming out of your mouth uh, are you know like revelation to to other people as well because they uh, are also maybe in this position living in in in, in a small town uh, far from uh, university right or conservatory in a diversity or even in a country where where there are no re real organ uh, conservatories and music um, academies right it's difficult to get a good ed education so today what we can do to achieve this uh, this this worldwide education in in, in pipe organ playing and, and church organ playing is uh, unbelievable right uh, 15 years ago we we thought it's crazy right with that we can uh, train people online and uh, in a way that it would uh, be beneficial to them yes we can we could write uh, emails uh, for quite some time now but to do this you know in real time and with demonstrations video examples and real coaching it's very recent right and um, mm. and i would say that um that uh, people who take advantage of this uh, technology uh, are, are are so much uh, ahead of of others because uh, in in many many f fields this technology uh, enables us to do this to connect with people but um, I don't see many organists do that. Or can you can you see? Because you of course did a lot of research before finding my blog. So did you did you find other organists uh, helping others as well? 
Well, really, it's quite re- quite remarkable how it's all came come about. And I think if if you could pin it down to one thing, that it it, it it's what you share of often about having that curiosity to learn. And uh, I, I mean, I. I was starting off at such an incredibly basic level, but I've always had that curiosity and wanted to learn and and understand about the pipe organ. And when I started looking online, there was a lot of pages that had general information about the organ, but nothing really about teaching and coaching. And I would say that, that you could probably count on less than two hands you know the number of people out there who are offering help most of the page web pages that offer help say you know send an email Mm -hmm. and then um, we organize something and then you pay lots of money or you have to relocate you know a lot of them were American based as well based in the US and uh, your your website is fantastic in that what you're offering is not just information but it's coaching and helping people specifically with their problems and being able to help them at whatever level they're at which for for me was a beginner's level Um, and that was wonderful because most other people would only be taking on the best students which would, would normally have meant I wouldn't have an opportunity that's right. And John, um, uh, was your love uh, f- for organ uh, uh, a lifelong relationship or was it very recent? How did you first fell in love with the organ? Do you remember the story? Can you share it? it it's, it's very, very interesting. It was a, it was a, wonderful, it's a wonderful story. So I was quite young. I was about 10 years old and um, I was my parents took me down to stay with my grandfather and he um, wanted to take us all out to see um, a special presentation. It was a tenor singer by the name of Thomas Edmonds who was quite well known in Australia at that time and he was singing um, Hymns of Faith. That was the title of the event. And... um, this particular church was where my grandfather went and it had a beautiful two manual pipe organ by J.E. Dodd who's a very famous organ builder in South Australia and it's a beautiful instrument um, with a a wonderful facade and and the pipes have got nice um, striped a striped pattern up and down that was very attractive visually and it's hard to put into words, but even at 10 years old, the the music from the pipe organ and the sound just envelops you. It, it's almost as though the sound of the organ puts its arms around you and you can feel it. And it, it resonated with something inside me that left a remarkable impression. And I didn't see a pipe organ for many, many years after that. And then when I became, when I was a teenager, I was um, quite into playing hockey and cricket. That were my two big sports. Right. And um, when I was that age, I was more interested in playing sport than than doing music practice. And um, 
my mother sent me to a music te- teacher for the piano for about one year, and then after that she taught me herself. But I didn't really get very far, um, only grade one or two really, and um, I actually gave up playing the piano altogether for quite a few years until I met Eliza, my dear wife, and she plays the flute very well and encouraged me to start playing the piano again. But even though I was playing the piano, it wasn't... I was interested, but it didn't really excite me that much. And then quite by chance, um, we'd moved to Wyala at that stage and had just been married for a few months. And a wonderful organist called Thomas Hayward, Mm. who's internationally renowned as one of the best organists, um, he actually came to Wyala to do a recital, which is just unbelievable that someone of his stature would come to an industrial town that's 380 kilometres from Adelaide. Right. And I think it's about $20 to go, which was incredibly cheap. And so I said to my wife, okay, let's let's go and have a look. And I wasn't really, um, I wasn't overly excited. I didn't realize what was going to happen. But when I went there, it was like hearing the pipe organ being played so magnificently. It was like it rekindled that flame that was there from when I was 10 years old. And Thomas played so remarkably. It was just, he was so enthusiastic and so technically brilliant but it connected with the audience and when I came away I I, I bought two of his CDs and listened to them and it it just had such a profound effect I thought um, I have to play the pipe organ like there was a sense of destiny if you know what I mean oh yeah oh yes I do it's um, it was a calling right probably calling yes it's 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 a voice voice from i don't know from above or from deep deep inside you whatever you believe probably people might say it's a it's your muse calling or sometimes an age angel uh, some people believe it's a god it's god right um or others um, it's a destiny right like you put it but um sooner or later this this destiny or this calling um I think uh, 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 manifests itself to to people in their lives, right? If if they are eager to listen to this voice, right? Sometimes we forget uh, through the business, regular business of our life um, lives, uh, and we put it off, right? Maybe in a year, maybe five years, maybe when I'm retired, right? Um, and you. John, were so brave. You didn't wait until you retire, right? Until your dream was like uh, shattered and and, and uh, all gone. And later, in when you're 65, for example, I, I'm talking from experience with with my subscribers now. I'm citing people. Uh, they say, "Oh, I didn't play the organ for 40 years, right? But now I am 65 and I am free without any job responsibilities, and I have nothing to do at home, and I finally can play what I want. Uh, isn't that exciting? But remember, 40 years have passed, right? And uh, um, and they gave up almost on their dreams. 
But you, John, some uh, yes, you spent without your dream for quite a while, but but um, luckily you found your 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 calling uh, soon enough and uh, and started to take action, right? So and that's and that's and that's the that's the wonderful part for me out of this is that uh, after going to Thomas Haywood's concert, I the dream had been reignited and I realized how wonderful the pipe organ was and how much I wanted to play it. But I had this this quite a confronting moment where I was sitting there thinking how wonderful the instrument was and, and the music. And then I thought, how am I going to do this? Because it's one thing to have the dream, but the next thing is to be able to implement it. And, and we all have you know, dreams that we would like to do, but there's so much hard work that has to happen to be able to develop skills to do that. And I realized that if I didn't do something different to how I'd learnt the piano, it was going to be, um, I was going to lose interest and it would become too hard th that I might even give up again. And that's where... I can never put into words what you've done for me because for the first time you showed me a way to practice that worked and when I started to see the results and you know even within uh, even within a couple of months I was playing music that I never thought would be possible to play um, being only grade one or two piano, and 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 having Vitus ha having yourself come along and show me the doing part of it is just been it's enabled me to have this dream come to reality. All right, uh, John, let's be let's be very clear to our listeners across the globe right now. What you did for me is equally valuable what your, I did for you. Because a teacher like myself without a student is nothing, right? Nothing. My teaching without, any, um, without any, anybody taking action of this on this teaching is really nothing. Uh, these ideas might be great, might be bad, doesn't matter. But if nobody pays attention and applies it in their practice... It disappears. The art is gone, basically, uh, maybe forever. But you, John, and others uh, like yourself, probably um, uh, did uh, something, w something very brave. You, uh, I imagine, in your head, you have uh, two voices, like no everybody has, uh, to do this or not to do this, right? One part of your brain says, "Wait, um, I'm." It's not my profession, right? Uh, tell us, uh, by the way, uh, what's your profession right now? Yeah, so I'm um, I'm a trained mechanical engineer, and I work at a large company called One Steel, which manufactures um, steel products for heavy industry. And my particular role is called a condition monitoring engineer. And the simplest way of explaining it is, I'm a bit like a machine doctor. So I take readings and tests on the machinery um, to identify problems so that um, the maintenance team can fix it. 
anyway so you are mechanical engineer that's that's an amazing part of your your career because uh, you fix things right which i can't probably never imagine to be able to do anyway you can fix the organ also right you can fix anything well i can maintain the organ uh, my uh, at saint john's uh, church also because because uh, through practice through this constant curiosity yes i did learn something but you <laughs> you have this natural ability to to fix things and but you have this uh, this this voice inside yourself uh, wait a second i'm not an organist and i'm trying to pursue this dream isn't this this uh, foolishness right but another voice in your head says wait a second yes i am a mechanical engineer but aside of me, myself uh, here is this calling from whatever force it is right uh, this this calling and um, I have to respond, right? So, John, how did you manage to to put those two voices into 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 position that they can really collaborate and uh, live together, right? Because because let me let me say this: uh, you're not uh, going to the secluded area to study to study organ organ monastery right to drop everything your family everything right and go into desert and play some pedal exercises right that would be crazy <laughs> completely uh, and on the other hand you're not uh, giving up on your dream you're still a mechanical engineer but uh, but doing this as a hobby and sometimes even more than a hobby i would s- suspect too we will talk about it later but um, h- how can you how do you manage to 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 uh, to fulfill both of your roles in life? So a very good question, and it's it's a it's a it's an it's an ongoing um, what would you call tension? It's a tension between those two voices, and and it's something where you you wonder how it's ever going to work. And uh, there was a man who once said to me, "It's all a matter of priorities." And it's such a, a simple cliche to say those words, but when you think about it, it's quite profound. And uh, all I can really say is that that playing the organ became such a high priority. Obviously, um, I need to do my job so that I can provide for my family, and that's very, very important to me. Very important, um, but playing the pipe organ had had such an, an effect on me hearing it and that it became um, a priority. And once, once I'd made up my mind that that, that was a priority for me, it, it becomes a lot easier to say no because um, there was a book that I read and there's a very good saying and it said, whenever you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And so I realized that if I'm saying yes to organ playing, then it means I need to say no to some other things because otherwise it just gets left to the end of the day and you're too tired or something else comes up. There's always something, isn't there, Vitus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
even as as we speak probably you have uh, some responsibilities in your family probably right uh, waiting for you after we done talking right um, you have to be really strategic what you want from life right what can you give to people what exactly are your talents and uh, you maybe ha- you maybe have have uh, some different other dreams like uh, like uh, sports right you you say you you are into cricket and uh, and uh, hockey right of course uh, um, being uh, physically active uh, pays off later in life uh, unless you you hurt yourself right sometimes but but normally yes it it pays off uh, being physically active and uh, doing exercises like this in any area that you love um, uh, being fit, uh, you can you can be professionally active as well uh, for m- much much longer, right? Um, if you are fit, and um, uh, but uh, many people have uh, additional dreams, right? Well, I like to, let's say, I like to do photography. I like to travel. I like to to go to the movies, right? I like to watch TV even that as simple as that i i like uh, i like to serve the web right and this is my hobby and um, when you s- if you are really serious about uh, your hobbies then you have to prioritize of course your not only your time but your your uh, um basically um ideas how you can develop as a human being your goals basically goal setting it's uh, some people believe that no you don't need to to do goal setting because you can live f- from from one moment to another and what comes up it's 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 okay it's great right um and others uh, believe that goal setting is important because you can plan plan ahead for five years ten years even three six months you can plan so uh, John um, do you do you set goals uh, usually normally in in for example in your life um, and even in your in your hobby organ playing or you or you are in spontaneous mostly uh, like uh, believing in whatever comes up next is great at, at the beginning, I didn't have a specific goal other than that I wanted to play the pipe organ and I was prepared to do everything I could with the spare time I had to try and learn um, from your website. And then uh, I started realizing from some of the things you were writing that that it was important to think about um, setting goals. And I hadn't really, like I, I do that at work. Um, but sometimes when it's a hobby, you you don't think about it that way. And I realized that setting goals was going to be a very good thing. And in my limited experience so far, I've found that it's the same as work. You might set five goals, for example, and sometimes you achieve only two out of the five. But then as life goes along and, and opportunities come up, there's opportunities to be spontaneous like you said and you might find that there's another two things opportunities or or learning or recitals that have come up that you didn't even think of when you set the goals and so at the end of the year you can look back and say well I've achieved 
four or five really good things, and even if only two of them were on the goals at the beginning, it doesn't it doesn't matter because you've achieved other wonderful things. Maybe an organist who who you know gets sick and you need to fill in for them, or um, somebody asks you to come and play a recital that you didn't plan for. And even these last few days, I was looking over at the goals that I'd written from two or three years ago, and there was still um, some things of pieces I wanted to learn that I still haven't learnt from two or three years ago. But that's that doesn't matter. Because there's a lot of other things that weren't on there that I have done. You're right. You're right. Uh, we have to probably uh, reconcile two things, being spontaneous and... Uh, and um purposeful right uh, uh, about our goals um, because if we only plan right if we write down goals it's it's very good but it would be quite boring to to have uh, everything just uh, step by step by step by step and yes you're done you're 65 85 and you're too late <laughs> it's gone basically um, but uh, but there is a beauty from from uh, from, from these spontaneous uh, approaches to life right uh, when somebody really asks you to fill in right you didn't plan this but he, but they needed your help and you didn't say That's no right. you, you didn't say no and you played at that service and this playing of the service uh, gave you a spark of ideas right later on what you can do with these hymns later on you found out your weaknesses perhaps and your strengths and uh, you it wouldn't be possible of course if you said no right. and I, if I can just share a very sh quick story on this there was a, um, a, a particular um, person who was the curator of one of the organs and uh, they they were a bit discouraged because obviously not many people um, even in the churches are very keen on the pipe organ anymore and everyone wants the the band and the drums and and the guitars and things and this person was a bit discouraged and and I said you know we should do a an organ recital and and he was sort of saying well nobody's interested nobody will come and and it's just a waste of time more or less and um, I felt I felt a little bit discouraged, but even though I didn't, even though I was not at a very high level, I thought, um, why not try? And um, so we did a recital, and it went very well. Um, we had over 80 people attend, and there was other other music, not just the pipe organ, but people loved it. And then a, 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 about probably a year later, this person rang me up and said, could you come and play the pipe organ for us at one of the events the church is having? And it was just, it was such a surreal moment. And I was so excited to think that this person who was doubting that there was any worth in the pipe organ a year ago, that 12 months later they were asking me to come and play for them. And it was it was such a special moment and when you have those moments come it makes you realize uh, how valuable the dream is obviously uh, absolutely uh, because because uh, you never know how powerful 
your impact is to other people, right? Y y you might think, oh, I'm just a humble beginner, hobbyist, and um, playing the organ for my own enjoyment. Well, for enjoyment of my family, maybe, and a few friends, if I'm lucky. But uh, I would say that sometimes people underestimate sometimes they overestimate their abilities that's right but also they being very humble and conscious of their humble beginners beginnings and uh, without noticing this day-to-day -day progress they, they just practice 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 every day and don't never look back what they achieved right and think that oh no playing a recital for me is 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 never going to happen right or even a church everybody will be looking at m at, at at me and choir members will make make fun of me right and pastor uh, later on will comment oh you played these hymns too fast or too <laughs> too too loud right and people with hearing aid will scream oh those mixtures they they make pain in my eyes in my ears this happens but um, but it also happens that people cry people cry after playings after your recitals and your your um, performances even as simple as him playing it's such a big yeah. impact right can you share the story of that happening to you yes so it was that a um i was i suggested um to one of the local churches that i'd like to um put on a carol sing-along for them and this that was an idea that I proposed it wasn't part of the church their church plan and I said I'd like to come and play for you as a thank you to the community because the people from that church um, they were the first ones who allowed me to practice on their pipe organ and they've been very supportive there's probably 20 or 30 people from that church that come to my recitals every time and so I wanted to say thank you to them. And um, we played these carols and had a wonderful time singing along. And, and in between the carols, I played a few organ solo pieces. And I played um, Handel's Largo from Xerxes. Mm -hmm. And it, the, um, as you know, it's from the opera. And the counter tenor is, is singing and saying thank you to the tree for providing shade. And I said to everybody that that song teaches us to be thankful for the simple things in life, even like a tree giving us shade. And um, it's a very small one manual instrument. And I thought, how do I play a, um, a piece that's designed for two manuals? So you have the melody in the solo, a solo voice and accompaniment. And the only stop really that I could use on this organ was the... Um, uh, it's it's really a gadak to stopped flute and so what I tried was playing the melody up an octave so it was really sounding at four foot pitch and then playing the accompaniment um, on the one manual together and fortunately the, <laughs> the top note on the manual was was G and that was the highest note in the in the piece so it just worked and uh, I played it and afterwards there was this really strange silence and nobody applauded like they usually would and I, I thought it was a 
a bit strange. Mm. I didn't think anything was wrong, but it was just there was such a a strange feeling in the air. It was very touching. And then afterwards, um, somebody came up to me and said that some people were crying mm-hmm. after I'd played it. And a number of people came up and said they'd never heard the organ played like that before. And, and I didn't even realise what, what I'd achieved and what had happened through that piece. But it was quite amazing. That's right. The, these silent moments uh, after the piece... It's, it's it's sometimes very disturbing, disturbing right? Uh, you don't know what to think, right? If you played wrong or right, what kind of impact you made. But I suspect that this silence means uh, sometimes when people... Uh, when when words... Uh, where, where applause is insufficient, basically, to express the, the, the depth of the feeling that they, they felt at that moment. And... Uh, it's better to remain silent at that moment than to, you know, clap normally to give applause. Um, At this moment, I think sometimes people can sing, start to sing. Uh, It's a similar feeling when when the words are not sufficient, uh, like like in poetry or in in hymn, I would say, in prayer, right, in prayer. it's, it sounds better when we sing our prayers than we normally read, probably, uh, this this religious poetry, uh, which we call hymns. Um, so, yes, uh, the people can be transformed with your playing, and uh, not always normal applause is, is a regular expression to their, what they feel and what kind of impact you make on them. One of one of the things I know you talk about is when we're playing a recital to be in the zone, and where you're in this wonderful, um, wonderful piece, and you're not worried about playing, and you, in a way, you're you're just you're just focusing on the the mood and the feeling of the music you're playing, rather than technically looking at all the black dots on the page, and. I've I've only really had that happen for me uh, in a, a handful of times, but one particular time I was playing Sir Edward Elgar's Land of Hope and Glory, and that's a, a piece that's very well known by people. And I played, uh, I didn't play the the complex section, only the theme of the tune that everybody knows well, using three different registrations for for colour and interest. And when I played the the final um, verse, uh, I played full organ, and I didn't realise at the time because I was concentrating that everybody in the church stood up and started singing, and um, one of the people actually got up and walked out the front and started conducting, and um, it was quite a surreal moment, and it's things like that we afterwards you just feel so humble to think that that you could have such a positive impact on people even being a beginner that's right that's right you don't have to be a virtuoso to 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 have an impact it helps to be a virtuoso like thomas haywood of course but then there is another side of that 
it's a, it's called showmanship. Um, if, if it's too much of this, uh, right? If people can be in awe of your technique, of your flawless pedal virtuosity and how you combine hands and feet and they can see on the screen or, or live when yourself are playing it's another different feeling for them um, it's not the same as uh, as uh, if they're hearing a piece uh, uh, very very deep uh, deep intellectual piece and they they come out of that recital or or church service for example being completely transformed you know like they don't want to talk about uh, this uh, this boring day-to-day stuff these gossips this this um, for example the the tragedies that that happen everywhere in the world they they are in the state of bliss at least for a few moments right and this this probably impression follows them wherever they go for a week maybe uh, even longer at least the remembrance of this comes with them for a long time Um, so so yes john you don't need to be a a thomas haywood your 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 role model probably at least for the beginning right but it little by little you never know where this it can lead maybe uh, when you meet for example a beginner have you met a beginner organist uh, maybe a beginner organist can look with awe at your technique right now right there's another another little story I'll, i love telling stories if you hadn't noticed there's another little story i'd love to tell you is i remember once my father telling me and he said, every day you come and sit down at, a, at the dinner table and you eat your dinner. And he said, can you remember what you ate last night? And I said, oh, yes, yes. And then he's like, can you remember what you ate for dinner last week? And you start scratching your head and maybe you can't remember. He said, what about last month? We have no, I had no idea of what I'd had for dinner a month ago. And my father said to me, do you think that meal a month ago was important to you? And I said, oh, yes. And he said, that's right. He said, sometimes the important things that we're doing, we don't even remember. But every day it adds up. Every day that meal was valuable. But maybe some things we're not even conscious, consciously aware of all of them. And for me, music practices like that, Maybe sometimes it feels like you're not getting anywhere. Maybe you you can't remember some of what you've done or or there isn't the progress at the speed that you, you wish there was. But if you keep doing it every day, it's like a meal. It keeps you strong and healthy and progressing. And I think it's the same with recitals that that maybe if you ask somebody what pieces you played a month later, they may not remember but the experience that they've had of being at that recital and then coming again the next time that you do it, people know that there's value, just like you turn up to the dinner table every night because you know there's value. Absolutely, John. There is so much depth in, in, your, in your story 
that so many angles right that so many lessons that we can learn and touch here upon but um, one of the most obvious ones of course it's it's like rain little by little drip 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 or you can you can if you dig with a, a tablespoon a piece of earth a dirt right uh, for for a month you will dig up a, a small hill right or after one year it's a small mountain right with one tablespoon a couple of of spoons uh, every day so the same is it's like brushing your teeth right nothing important couple of minutes uh, uh, at a time but imagine what would be the result if you suddenly stopped <laughs> stopped brushing your teeth yes so that's that's what we do when we practice also we brush our mental teeth so to say and we brush our um, fingers so to say um, so that later little by little this experience will add up and uh, the results will be um, so much so much more uh, valuable but of course the results are not that important as the process right uh, can you share your any any of your um, experiences or stories how you how you manage this idea for example oh i am not at the level of thomas haywood yet the results are not yet yes but you somehow live with this process and enjoy in the in the moment of practice it's a, it's a very good question because I think um, as as you you refer in your in your blogs to the resistance, there's always that voice of resistance, and you think, you know, well, I'm let not me, very let me good. Inter interrupt because uh, the resistance is not my idea. Uh, Stephen Pressfield, the the great uh, author and writer, uh, uh, wrote a few books about that about that uh, that strange uh, inner power, uh, which he calls resistance. So go on. <laughs> Yeah, that's very good. And and you think, why would I keep doing this when I'm when there's so many other people that are better? And and but really, it comes back to where we started about the dream of of that it's that it's my dream, and you can't get past that. That it it has to be your dream. If you're trying to do it for somebody else, or or you're trying to do it because you feel like you have to. Um, then the motivation is is not there, and all you can re once you have decided that it's your dream, all you can do is break it down to small steps and do the best you can. And nearly every recital that I've pre prepared for, uh, I haven't been able to learn all of the pieces that I wanted to in time, and I've had to drop one or two off the list. And sometimes I've I've had to maybe pick a hymn tune or um, uh, substitute something else in place of what I was going to play. Um, but, but I always try to, to think on the positive of what I have been able to achieve and, and do it well, that I'd rather have three or four pieces that I can play well than, than ten that are not very good. And I think you can have a profound effect on people even with only playing a few pieces uh, so that's that's what I try and do and 
I think a very good idea that you suggest is recording yourself. Sometimes when I, I listen to the recordings of myself, I think, oh dear. <laughs> but then over time, that shows you how much you have improved. So rather than feeling like it's a negative, you can look at it that how far you've come on the journey. Well, um, this journey, of course, continues. Uh, and uh, do you have, um, a, um, for example, plans or goals to to play in in front of people this year too? Yes. So um, last year, one of the my most amazing moments for me was I I did a a concert to celebrate 330 years of Bach. And um, that was something that a lot of people said, no one's interested in this. No one's interested in a whole concert of Bach. And we had 86 people come and they absolutely loved it. And I had seven other musicians join with me, which I was very, very privileged and humbled to have them join. And it was a remarkable success. And when I was closing that concert, I said that, my next dream would be to have a concert on handle. So um, I'm, at the moment, I'm in the process of planning for a concert to celebrate Handel's music. And what my other two goals that are very high on the list is I want to become more proficient at sight reading and in particular um, being able to sight read for hymns if I need to do that with little notice. And also work on my improvisation which is is something that that i i never thought was possible and i would have i was very very scared to even try it but you were so supportive of me and kept kept on encouraging me without without um without being overbearing you kept on saying john just do it <laughs> And the last concert I had in, in December before Christmas, I, I did my first improvisation on um, five Welsh airs. Mm -hmm. So they're quite simple tunes that I memorized the tunes and then um, played my own simple chords to accompany them and um, just did a few simple chord progressions to link the pieces and modulate between the keys and um, it, everybody loved it and I don't really know how I, how I got through it but at the end of it, it was the most satisfying moment after a recital that I've ever had. I, there was no regrets. Mm -hmm. So I really want to improve my improvisation and do that again this year. You know, these improvisation endeavors that you are um, uh, trying to, to develop your skills, um, you don't need to be um, uh, at a very very high level improviser to start playing for people to start uh, demonstrating the organ for example uh, you, yes you can take uh, a simple tune like this and um, all it takes sometimes is to transpose it to into other uh, keys 
to play it like from the hymn, hymns, uh, like uh, from a hymnal, and then another verse do a uh, in a dominant key, right? And another maybe in the relative key, uh, and another maybe in the subdominant key, and another in the in the tonic key. So back like five uh, five verses, and you will have different five di registrations perhaps. And it's all it takes. Maybe a few transitions if you want to be more smooth. But I've played, I even played a couple of recitals playing Christmas carols like this way and Easter, Easter hymns in Lithuania. Doing for one hour nothing more than, <laughs> than transposition of, of, these, of these famous tunes. And, and if you are conscious of the result, then it c might be even uh, artistically interesting because if you if you plan everything ahead of time then of course uh, this might be boring right if you play for an hour uh, this way and not the other way uh, everything like seven or eight or nine hymns will be the same way it's boring right but if you are for example creative in in, in your transpositions and registrations and even you can adjust while playing. For example, uh, one of the middle verses might be too long. You know, I in general structure, maybe you can uh, switch to to a few phrases, and that's it. And you can move on. And mo and maybe you can uh, play a, a, a smoother and longer development section with with modulations, chordal progressions. Nothing really um, special and or fancy. Then, then, then you know what happens is the feeling of unpredictability, and it's unpredictable. It, and all art, all good art, is unpredictable, right? And um, people have have to guess what will come next, and not uh, be able to say, "Oh, I know what he will play next," and that's when you lose them if if they know, right? So. So yes, you can you can try. Something that I'd like to share on that is um, obviously it's been quite special um, being a parent, and and we look at we look at our children grow up, and you see it's such a wonderful thing the first time they say mama or dada, and then they start to learn one or two words, and they can't even piece together more than one or two words. And yet that's so special to us. And then eventually they learn to say a sentence and then they say a paragraph. And, and it's the same for me in my journey with improvisation that, that I'm, I'm sure that some of that my improvisations probably sound a little bit like help data or mama tree data this, data that. <laughs> it's not really what we would call, um, eloquent language but it's it's the start of something special that grows and the some of the, the people who come and hear me play they can see that I'm on this journey as well and um, I think a lot of people have respected me for even trying because all the other organists that I speak to they're like oh no I wouldn't there's no way I'd improvise there's, there's no way I'm going to play this piece with a pedal solo and and the courage to have a go, I think, 
people respect that even if it's not perfect, which I'm very thankful for because there's there's everything has got imperfections, especially at my level. There's a lot of mistakes and things, but people respect that you're having a go and you play something that that means something to them. And the, the simple things in life can be very touching. Um, and like you said, it doesn't have to be complicated. Sometimes when you think about the tunes that that we remember and the tunes that are part of famous organ pieces, when you look at them and you start to study it, you realize it's the melody is so simple, isn't it? Yeah, simplicity is the mother of probably uh, perfection. Yes. Um, because it's it's so such a tendency to overcomplicate things uh, when you are creating, but uh, very very simple ideas might go very long way. Yes, so John, it's it's amazing uh, to hear you talk about your journey, and um, and um, just uh, just um, for f- to get the 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 gr- the greater feeling of your experience. Can you share also? What some of the challenges are you encountering? Some of the struggles, okay, in your pedal playing and sight reading and maybe improvisations. You already talked things like that because uh, people people also struggle all over the world. But here you are still not giving up and still fighting the good fight, right? So what are you struggling with at the moment, John? So probably to summarize it simply uh, was the fact that that I was really at such a basic level. I mean, saying that I was a beginner is, you know, is being generous. I'd, I'd only only spent, you know, a, a few years playing piano. And so I'd, I don't really have very good um, manual technique. And obviously coming to the pipe organ, I'd never played pedals before. And... So all of these things that, that you know, a lot of pianists who become church organists have already got exceptional um, capabilities with their hands and finger dexterity and, and they can sight read and they can play, you know, three or four note chords with ease. But all of these things were very big challenges for me. Even playing something with one voice in each hand was quite difficult for me, and sometimes it still is. But um, I guess these things take time to learn, and that's where your coaching and the training courses that you have were very helpful, and particularly the um, the pedal training course was probably some of the best money that I'd ever spent with practicing the pedal scales that you know it it can be for some people a little bit boring to do these things but for me it was very very helpful and um you have to start at the beginning it's it's tempting to i'm guilty of this it's tempting to jump to the exciting stage of playing the pieces and to a degree that's what i've done and that has been a weakness because I wanted to play exciting pieces, but then more that time's gone on, I've realized I don't have the technique, I don't have the theory knowledge. And so now I'm starting to go back and dig into those things and 
I guess in some ways I'm more motivated now because I know that I need it. Yes, John. Uh, nobody really wakes up in the morning and uh, suddenly f f uh, falls in love with the organ and thinks, "Oh, I want to play this F major scale on the pedals." Right? Nobody probably. Uh, probably the music itself or the complexity of the instruments uh, amazes us most of the time. And but as you say, uh, later we go back to, to the basics and, uh, and and see if if these exercises can help us develop the basics so that we later can play the pieces that we love uh, create new music also and um, be of value to other people because yes you have to start some somewhere and sometimes you start with uh, D minor toccata by Bach or Vidor toccata or Vierne uh, how it's called Carillon of of Westminster, right? Because you heard this piece, and uh, this is your love, right? But uh, hey, it's 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 not every professional organist can play these pieces uh, even at that level. So then you become a little uh, reserved and go back to the basics. By and hope uh, that one day, yes, you can play these famous toccatas. I think for me, it is a, quite a tricky balance because it's it's true what you're saying. One of the things that I promised to myself was that I really wanted to enjoy the organ and enjoy organ practice because when I when I practiced the piano, it was a it was a real drag and it was a real chore. And that's not any reflection on on my teachers. Some of it's a reflection on my attitude, possibly, but. Um, I really want to enjoy playing the organ. Obviously, it's hard work and you don't achieve anything good without hard work. But at the same time, I, I need to be able to enjoy it. And so I try to pick pieces that are special and pieces that I enjoy and use those things as motivation for doing the other hard work like the scales and chords and and try to have a bit of both in my practice. Mm-hmm. So wonderful, John. Um, I hope this journey continues for you for many, many years and um, um, your challenges will be overcome and you will meet other challenges along the way, probably, like uh, <laughs> climbing one mountain, you will see many others. Uh, so great, uh, four years you climbed a small mountain now and uh, you see other mountains right in the horizon. So thank you so much for your generosity of sharing your story because people around the world will 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 connect with this I'm 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 absolutely positive because we all struggle with something at this level and uh, uh, whether it's harmonization or uh, improvisation or pedal playing sight reading hymn playing whatever our areas of um, of uh, of organ playing might be of interest but we're not born geniuses, right? The only uh, people who can do this right away are lucky, lucky. And uh, the rest of us need to, to gradually enjoy the process and uh, move step by step. And that's, uh, that's one little message I'd like to leave with all of your followers around the world is that there's so much hope because... If I've been able to achieve this, anybody can, and I and I mean that humbly. That 
that I didn't start with much at all. And and I'm very, very thankful to God that that I crossed paths with you and that you're able to help me. And, and that just shows that that anybody can achieve their dream. Anybody can achieve something in organ playing if they really set their mind to it because if I can do it, I know anybody can. And um, I'll... I'll always be so thankful for finding your website and for the help that you've been to me personally and to all the other people around the world. And I, I, I just congratulate you um, personally for what you've done and thank you so much on behalf of everybody who's been benefited by what you've done. So, John, of course, uh, I thank you too because, as I said before, as a teacher is nothing without a student and your ideas your messages your emails of course uh, generated lots and lots and lots of articles right and other trainings um, so so to have this special relationship like uh, I'm having uh, with you for for four years now it's a privilege and I and I'm uh, very very grateful for you uh, to you and um, before we end, okay, can you give our listeners a place where they can connect with you and your work online? What's the best way to reach you? Sure. So um, I'm on Facebook. If you search under John Higgins, J-O-H-N-H-I-G-G-I-N-S, um, you'll find me there in South Australia, Wyala. Um, or if you'd like to send me an email, it's j-o-h-n dot e-l-i-z-a dot h-i-d-g-i-g-g-i-n-s at gmail.com I'll make sure I'll put these links into the description of this podcast so that people can find easily the links and reach you. Wonderful! It was so much fun. We should do it again. I'm so tremendously grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Vitas. All the best for the future. Yes, and to you and your entire family too. This conversation will continue next Sunday in part two. Stay tuned. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog Secrets of Organ Playing at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vidas Pinkavitus. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you online really soon.